every hi everybody welcome to a special episode of hidden gems podcast and today we are in honor of thor love and thunder we are talking about uh some superhero movies but instead of the big mcu movies we're talking about some underrated smaller movies that don't get talked about as a lot as much so it's gonna be really fun and i am film critic rachel wagner and ryan is here Hey, Rachel, it's great to be with you as usual. And for this special episode, we got a guest, and I'm very excited to have him here. Yes, our friend Brevin is here. And Brevin, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, yes, I'm really happy to be here. And uh, uh, y'all, like, uh, says to me, like, a few times on my channel, and I figured that, that I would, uh, that I would, like, you know, lend a helping hands so, so to speak uh with this uh with this episode and i'm like i said i'm really happy to be here yeah why don't you since your first time on this show why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to our audience uh uh to our audience i'm brevin yeah. thompson from my uh channel brevin's place and games uh i've been uh uh, last uh, video that I did for on my channel was for the Black Phone, which I just checked out recently. I, I really thought it was good, and it's so far my favorite horror film uh, this year. Uh, the only close competition it would have is the newest Scream, but mm -hmm. I'm really hoping that the next Halloween turns out to be good. But if anybody would want to ask me what's my most anticipated uh, 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 horror film for the rest of the year, It'd probably be nope because I love Jordan Peele after Get Out and Us. But uh, this weekend, I do plan to check out Thor Love and Thunder because I'm a MCU uh, junkie mm -hmm. and I've always, I'm a big fan of MCU. Yeah. And uh, I still yet to check out Elvis, so I do plan to like check that out as well. So that's two that I plan to check out this week because, yeah, I mean... Mm -hmm. I've heard like nothing but good things about Elvis, so yeah, it's the, uh, it's on my to-do list for this week. Yeah, so we're recording this on the fifth, and we're gonna post it next week. Uh, so if you're kind of wondering what we're, if you're watching, you're wondering. So this will post on the fifteenth. Uh, but uh, but uh, Ryan, did you have a good fourth? I did. Uh, my dad and I did our annual rewatch of seventeen seventy six, which is one of my all time favorites. The movie gets better the more I watch it. It's so insanely quotable. A shout out to William Daniels, Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World, who is John Adams in the show and in the movie, and he is excellent. I love, I love how despite the fact that we all know what happens, the Declaration of Independence does get signed and the U.S. does get created. Like There's a certain part in the movie when John Adams loses the entire South over the slavery issue. You're just like no and it's like the most darkest timeline you could ever ask for and even though you know exactly what's going to happen but the movie makes you doubt it's so mm -hmm. well done and it i don't think even though you know what's going to happen deep down inside i still get i still get goosebumps of being like just get rid of the slavery passage you're gonna lose the south and rutledge and all of those idiots but you gotta bring them in anyway so it's yeah. distressing to say the least but the songs are awesome it's insanely quotable i love i love yeah. i love the quote where um where john adams and ben franklin are waiting for thomas jefferson to come out of his bedroom and john adams is like oh the history books will never remember me that's funny because he's the second president of the united states 
But then Adam was like, oh, they'll remember Ben Franklin because they'll always remember Ben Franklin. They'll picture Ben Franklin struck the ground and brought up George Washington full grown from the ground on his horse. And then with his right hand raised the Continental Army and wiped out the British Army with one fell stroke. And Ben Franklin just turns and he's like, I like it. <laughs> it's so good. That's perfect. I, I recommend everyone check out that movie yeah. if you haven't. Yeah, it's really fun. I agree. If you like Hamilton, I think you also will like 1776. Uh, so... Well, we're talking about superhero movies today. And like I said, we're talking about smaller or underrated, not given enough love, uh, superhero movies. And, uh, and we each came up with three uh, on our list. And uh, it's not streaming kind of like what we normally do. But uh, in your mind, Brevin, what do you think makes for a good, memorable superhero movie, big or small? Well, for me personally, and this is one that's kind of personal for me, the first one that I'm going to start off with was, and it's one that I first saw in theaters when I was like around like six years old. And it was, it's the first Hellboy uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro and starring Ron Perlman as Hellboy. Because when you think of like uh, great performances uh, for comic book films, I mean, you often think of Christopher Reeve as Superman or Hugh Jackman as Wolverine or Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. I would probably say that uh, Ron Perlman as Hellboy would definitely fit in that category of like on that list of uh, performances for a comic book films because I like how even though this character as a demon, he's just such a likable character. And that's a few things that, that I liked about Ron Perlman's performance as Hellboy. I mean, and it does deliver us like some good, like decent action sequences, even though like some of the CG is like a little bit dated here and there. I like what they go with with the story, even though like the villains aren't really that interesting, even though they approve that in the sequel, because I think the villain in the sequel, which I'll talk about later, is a lot better he as motivations are much more understandable and well the villains in this film are kind of like the stereotypical bad guys who just want to uh, unleash these creatures to destroy the world but that's about it really but uh and we all know how good of a filmmaker Guillermo del Toro is because of films like The Shape of Water which won Best Picture and I think in terms of like comic book films, I mean, of what he delivers in this film as well as the sequel, and before that he uh, did Blade Two, which I really enjoy. Uh, what he did for those two films in particular, um, that, those are like really important to me. I mean, even uh, back then as a kid. Uh, I, well, well, here's a funny thing. I mean. When I first saw the trailer, when I was like six, I was hooked and I was, I really wanted to see it, even though my dad kind of warned me, you know, like, this is the type of film that kind of likes, has like, it kind of has like, like scary monsters and everything, but six-year-old me did not care. So, uh, Hellboy will always have like a special place in my heart because of, uh, Ron Perlman as Hellboy. I mean, uh, he's charismatic. He delivers some awesome action sequences. He, I mean, 
and given like um, the makeup work and the film, I mean, b uh, both on uh, Ron Perlman and Doug Jones as Abe Sabian, he, I mean, you guys gotta give him a round, uh, the makeup artist, a round of applause for the amount of like work and efforts uh, they had to go through to bring these characters to life. Because we all know how Del Toro is with like creatures in certain films that he directs, and uh, he's like one of those uh, one of those directors who can he has like an, you know like one of those directors that has like an eye for visuals. I think uh, Del Toro is like one of those uh, filmmakers who are like the best at that, in my opinion. Yeah, I've seen this movie. It's been a while, but uh, but yeah, I liked. I felt like it did have a pretty big heart to it, which always endears you to uh, any film, but you know, superhero films included. But what do you think, Ryan? What do you think makes for a really memorable superhero movie in your mind? Well, <clears throat> just like the comic books are based on, it really is just it. It really is. It really is dependent on the. Sure. it's dependent on the source material and and yeah. just how the 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 heart that is there it, like what brevin was talking about with hellboy hellboy is the son of the devil pretty much and yet we feel a great deal of sympathy for him like, like we relate to him in certain aspects and so if there's a certain relatability to the characters i think that people can buy most anything if we can connect we can usually get like on a human level with with them if that if that makes mm -hmm. any sense at all. And talking yeah. about Hellboy for a second, I just love how there's there's a scene, I guess a spoiler, but after the death of the John Hurt character, Professor Broom, uh, uh, Hellboy has just a really somber moment where he where he's talking to Liz and he's just like, you know, I just I wished I could just change this and you're just like wow that's just i feel so sad for you my dude and so despite like the despite the picture being oh we're actually rooting for the son of the devil the movie's so well made that we connect to it and so i think yeah. what makes it work is the connectivity of it all yeah, I like the connectivity too. I know some people don't really like that with um, the MCU, but to me, I kind of like putting the pieces together of the different films and different characters and different series. I think that makes it more fun. And I also enjoy sort of the witty banter. I know other people don't like it as much as me, but I, I really, I think sometimes superhero movies uh, take themselves too seriously. And it's just like, okay, calm down. <laughs> like, you know, be like, and it just becomes kind of one note to me where it's like, can we have like a little bit of joy? Um, but, you know, it just depends. Uh, you know, some of these smaller ones that I've picked out uh, do have that element of kind of humor that, that when it's done right, it really works for me. Yeah, kind of, kind of just a thought that appeared to my head in Thor The Dark World, which is one of those MCU movies that nobody really likes except for me, my actual mm -hmm. kind of like that one, there's a great I think scene. it's okay. There's a great scene where Thor and Loki are running away from the Asgardian guard, 
and mm-hmm. and and Loki's talking to Thor while Thor's trying to get away, and Loki's being like the ultimate backseat driver, and he's like, they're getting closer, and and Thor is like, I know you telling me them getting closer is not mean we're getting farther from them. It's so funny, and they just diving under things, and Loki's just trolling him all the way, and I love when when Thor takes out a statue Thor, and Loki just turns to him and he's like, you just shot your grandfather. <laughs> it's so good. And so I yeah. just, it's, it's so fun. I have a hard time hating anything with Thor and Loki. I think they're so great and such fun characters. I mean, that movie definitely has a share of problems, but it's not my least favorite uh, of the MCU like it is for a lot of people. But um, yeah, but yeah Poor I think they're so charismatic and great. Poor Chris. I do, I do think it has its entertaining moments for the most part. Uh, although the villains are like completely forgettable, but yeah. uh, as like one of the lesser, uh, like I don't hate it as like most people do. In regard, I don't think it's the worst MCU movie. I would say Internals like takes that title for me. But yeah, I didn't love uh, Internals. Yeah, uh, for the most part, when it comes to Thor: The Dark World, the, the best thing I could say was. I wasn't bored. Mm. Yeah. The, and, uh, I have an unpopular opinion because my least favorite MCU movie is Spider-Man Far From Home. I mean, really didn't like that movie. Um, so <laughs> you can send the hate poor, mail here. <laughs> poor Christopher Eccleston. He deserved better. Yeah, he did. That's yeah, true. Yeah. It, 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 even he admitted like how poorly developed his character was in that film. And you can't you can't help but feel sorry for him really yeah what's your least favorite ryan um well originally my least favorite was iron man 2 however i've been wanting to rewatch it to do a bit of a reevaluation since the mcu was about to turn 15 years old which is crazy to me but i I remember yeah. seeing the OG Iron Man in theaters and thinking, oh, this is going to be nice to see how long did this lasts 15 <laughs> years later. But there's gems of good ideas in Iron Man 2, but the banter of just people shouting at each other, just improv stuff, and and just yeah. the whole Pepper Potts like ripping and Tony is like, you were dying and you didn't even tell me? And <laughs> And Iron Man's like, I was going to tell you. I was going to make you an omelet and tell you. <laughs> it's just, like it's yeah. funny for a certain point, but it but when it goes on and on and on, you're just like, can we get one, to a different scene? Yeah. yeah. One, one person yeah. talk, one person respond. That's all I need right now. And <laughs> yeah, that's again, the problem. One of the problem with the main problem with that movie, aside from feeling rushed, is that you just ha- can't have Tony being that unlikable for that long. It's just not, not effective. Yeah. And- Although there was one thing about like uh, Iron Man 2 that they kind of like uh, made better in Winter Soldier because remember the, uh, sec- uh, the secretary who like wanted, uh, I mean, no, the senator who want- wanted uh, Tony to surrender his Iron Man te- uh, technology. Uh, mm-hmm. when, well, they brought him back for Winter Soldier, and it was revealed that he was uh, a part of Hydra. So, in a way, his role made much more sense. So, when you uh, look at Winter Soldier, you're like, oh, so that's why you were on Tony so much. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. that's what's nice about the MCU is that you can go back and kind of 
you can maybe a plot line spot there that didn't work yeah. you can readdress it a character that that didn't end up working you can bring him back uh, him or her back and and uh try it again and uh and that makes i mean something like thor the dark world i mean that movie played in big time into endgame uh, surprisingly and who would have thought so i don't know it's I, I think that's a fun part about the whole series but yeah it is. It and is. also um also poor mickey rourke like the dude like had a legitimately interesting character arc with whiplash and he was just completely shunted for just another dude in a suit and no offense yeah. to sam rockwell he's a great actor but we did not need to see justin hammer he could have come later but really yeah. all of iron man's villains were basically dudes in suits obadiah stain in iron man one justin hammer in number two and aldrich killian in number three and and yeah. and let don't get me started on iron man three the whole mandarin twist because that's the thing is that people oh, are like that, oh. that was very frustrating i mean yeah. the, the, the whole mandarin twist i mean that if if they wanted to like find a way to piss off iron man fans <laughs> they succeeded i mean but I, credit- but I don't think that's the problem is that it's not comic book accurate and and people are like oh you're just complaining about the no it's not the fact that it's the twist it's that it was a stupid twist because they replaced an interesting character with a bland completely forgettable character that's the problem it's not that the twist exists it's what it was and shout out to shang chi for making the nigel thing actually work yeah so that's what i that's what i love the most about that movie they completely just buried that twist in a shallow grave and i will love that movie forever and ever for it but uh (laughs) but let's uh but but But, brevin was brevin was talking about hellboy the original i think uh i think rachel yes uh, while we get to i think your first choice the phantom boy yes so my first choice uh, we're really talking a small a uh, movie we did it for obscure animation a couple of years ago it's from 2015 it's called phantom boy and it's by the same group of animators that did a movie called a cat in paris that got nominated for an academy award and uh this is a really neat little movie uh, it kind of has a cubist design to it uh and uh, it's uh, about a boy who he is uh, getting treatment in the hospital. And while he's sick, he develops these powers that at night he can separate from his body and go and fly around the city of New York. Well, there ends up being this man, this police officer who he gets injured. He ends up in a wheelchair. He can't, uh, he can't look into the case and he's trying to uh, find out about this mafia guy. And, uh, and so he, um, uh, so the uh, boy, he ends up going after the mafia guy uh, for uh the i think his name is the face is his name and uh, and while he is uh separated from his body and uh, it's very beautifully animated like says a sort of cubist kind of approach people have seen a cat in paris it's very similar except this is in new york instead of paris as far as the visual uh, the world building uh and it's it's just a, a very uh well done underrated beautiful little um animated film yeah um it's i don't think it's on any um 
streaming services, you just, but you can rent it. Uh, so have you heard of this at all, um, Ryan? I have not. And, and it, it sounds really interesting, yeah. especially the whole separating from one's body part. I, I think mm -hmm. that, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, and, and it's done in this very like blue, translucent kind of effect. It looks really good. So it's it's one worth checking out. And like I said, we did a whole episode of Obscure Animation on it. So if you want more analysis, uh, you can check that out. Yeah, Brevin, uh, Brevin, what say you? Well, this is one that I'm, uh, I haven't heard about it until like Rachel like recommended it for her channel. So. Uh, I try. Uh, I couldn't find it on like any streaming services, and uh, I was surprised. Uh, I mean, I was shocked mm -hmm. that I couldn't find it. I was like, "Oh no, I can't find it!" And but so uh, I had to look up a trailer, and I was like, "This animation is really impressive," and I, I I'm actually intrigued to like actually like check it out because I mean, I'm, I really like like. Uh, some of the, uh, one of those films that has like beautiful animation and has a great story to it. And from what I saw and from the plot synopsis, I, I mean, I didn't like, uh, I try to like avoid spoilers as much as possible when I, whenever I want to check something out, even though if it's old or not. Um, uh, above all, it does look interesting and it's something I definitely look forward to checking out in the future. And like I said, it's one that you can rent for uh, on any of the services. It's there on Amazon or uh, Vudu or anything like that, or YouTube. So it's, it's available for a rental. Uh, and uh, it seems like the kind of thing that will will eventually be on um, Canopy. It seems like that kind of thing. So I would keep an eye out for that as well uh, mm -hmm. if you have a, a free library app. Uh, yeah. So that's my first pick. So my first choice, and this is a bit, a little on the beaten path, but it's one of those movies that when I first saw it, I fell in love with it and it just, the love has just grown. And so I'm going with The Mask of Zorro. This was directed by Martin Campbell, who would go on to reinvent James Bond twice with GoldenEye and Casino Royale. He would direct the Green Lantern movie, but we will forgive him for that. And, uh, and this movie, um, stars Anthony Hopkins, Antonio Banderas, and Catherine Zeta-Jones, and it is based on the Zorro pulp novels that would later become comics in, in later times. And this movie is just awesome. It was released in 1998 when comic book movies were just basically Spawn and, and Batman wearing a suit that looks like it was particularly cold that day. So it was a dark time, but... Mask of Zorro came along and was like, all right, let me show you how it's done. The action in this is superb. The sword fights are awesome. The, the acting is really solid. I mean, can't go wrong with this entire cast, especially Antonio, uh, especially Antonio Banderas, yes, but especially Anthony Hopkins. You can't go wrong with him there. And just the, <clears throat> I guess the hero's journey, for lack of a better term, of Antonio Banderas' character going from this basically thief, losing his brother to Captain Love, to just working his way up to the Zorro mantle and finally exacting revenge. I also love how how near the knuckle this movie is. This movie's PG-13, 
And there's some dark stuff in here too. There's a scene where, where, where Alejandro is in disguise and he's meeting with Captain Love, the, uh, the corrupt union general. And they're having this meeting and Captain Love is just casually discussing, did you know that the Compa Indians of central Peru used to cannibalize their victims' heads? The eyes were the most sought after. Seeing through the eyes of an enemy was most prized. And then casually he's just like, oh, where are my manners? Would you like something to drink? And he br brings this big old thing with Alejandro's brother's head in a jar with like just with water in it. And you're just like, what in the world? And then he brings up another one with his brother's foot in a wine jar. And you're just <laughs> like, oh my God. And then Alejandro's line when he says, you are a sick man, Captain Love. I'm like, thank you, Chairman, for the entire theater saying what we're all thinking in the minute. So yeah, this this movie is just so fantastic and so very well made. I I miss Zorro. I hope I, I guess the closest Zorro movie we'll ever get is the Puss in Boots movies. We're getting one later this year. But I mean, Zorro in cat form. I mean, that's as that's as close as we're probably gonna get. Basically. Yeah, this is a really fun one. I don't really think of it as a superhero movie, but uh, I guess he is a hero in a in a way. Um, but uh, very charming. Catherine Zeta Jones is great, and I they I guess they did a sequel. I never saw it, but I heard it wasn't wasn't very good. That's why I never saw it. But yeah, yeah I think Martin Campbell. I think Not that good. he's like an incredibly inconsistent director. Mm -hmm. But his highs are really high. <laughs> the very, very definition good. of peaks and valleys. Peaks, yes. <laughs> GoldenEye, Casino Royale, Massive Zorro. Valleys, Green Lantern, and what a... And just like... Yeah, there was one this year that I guess was really bad. I didn't see it. I forget. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> so, Brevin, what's your next one? Pick. Well, right before, I mean, I, I want to like discuss my thoughts on, on uh, Mask of Zorro. Oh yeah, um, please. Oh uh, yeah, this was like I, re I recall like uh, watching this at first uh, when I went over to my uh, grandfather's condo one summer as a kid, because I mean, whenever I went over to his condo, we would normally like watch either James Bond movies or other classic movies. Without my grandfather, I wouldn't be a James Bond lover. So. Uh, when it comes to, like, Mask of Zorro, I mean, with this being released in, uh, 98, this was definitely, um, I would almost consider this a, a superhero film, uh, even though you said, uh, earlier that you don't consider this a superhero film. I do like this film, uh, because of, uh, Martin Campbell's direction, given, like, uh, his work on GoldenEye and Casino Royale, which are two of my absolute favorite James Bond films. Um, the performances, with, uh, mostly uh, the ones that stand out for me personally are, of course, uh, Antonio Banderas and um, uh, Anthony Hopkins. Uh, I like uh, how the story plays out, I, mostly uh, in the beginning and uh, like uh, Ryan says, uh, an uh, Antonio Banderas' like, journey to like becoming the new Zorro how it plays out in the revenge story aspect, I think is handled brilliantly. And I like how this was like one of those films that kind of like gave like a little super, superhero movies a new lease on life because like 
Batman and Robin did a lot of damage back then, as well as Spawn. But uh, other than, like, this coming out in 98, this also came out the same year as Blade, which definitely also helped, like, boost, I mean, gave some new life into the superhero genre, along with uh, the, uh, the original X-Men and uh, Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man film. And I would definitely put it on that list of, like, film, uh, superhero films that gave uh, new life into the genre. I guess I don't really think of his superhero movie because he doesn't have superpowers, but, but I guess not all, even in the MCU, not all of them have superpowers. So I guess that's, but that's just why I didn't think of it off the top of my head. But the one from this year that he did, Martin Campbell, is called Memory. Oh, I remember (laughs) seeing the poster and I was like, I should get around to that. And I did. Yeah. Well, Brevin, so what's your number two? Well, my number two, well, I did mention uh, Sam Raimi in terms of Spider-Man, but one that I think is a pretty underrated gem, and that is Darkman from 1990. Uh, mostly when you think of Sam Raimi in terms of pop culture, you, you, would, you would mostly recognize him from either like Evil Dead, because of his work on Evil Dead or Spider-Man. But in terms of Dark Man, I think it offers like something like very new, I mean, uh, something different, so to speak, while giving us something, uh, something that like I don't want to say like familiar because it gives off like one of those like Batman vibes because he kind of likes he's almost kind of like a Batman type character, so to speak. Except this character, Dark Man, is not rich. Um, this was made at a time when uh, when Sam Raimi really wanted to make a superhero film. He uh, but he couldn't get rights for dark uh, for uh, for Batman or the Shadow, so he made up his own character, and that's Dark Man. Uh, the cast is pretty well, uh, uh, pretty good. Um, what what you have uh, Liam Neeson as uh, Peyton Westlake, who I mean he's this uh, scientist who like makes this like synthetic skin to help uh, burn victims but he uh, he and his uh, his uh, assistant are attacked by a group of gangsters and they kill his assistant and they uh, disfigure him beyond recognition so he seeks uh, revenge on those who disfigured him i like how the revenge aspect is handled in this film uh the uh like I said, the performances here are pretty good. I mean, uh, Liam Neeson is awesome. And I'm pretty sure I don't have to tell anybody that because he's always awesome. This was like one of the first few films that made Liam Neeson an action star. And uh, then this was like way before he appeared as Qui-Gon in The Phantom Menace. Uh, but even before then, I mean, like, and after this film, he just starred in the Best Picture winner, which was Schindler's List. And uh, what Liam Neeson goes through in this film, uh, you do sympathize with him, and because of what has happened to him, you want him to get revenge on uh, these gangsters. Uh, his love interest, uh, played by uh, Francis McDormand, uh, he, I think that she and uh, Liam Neeson have a good chemistry, and she ends up being the damsel in distress for the third act. Uh, the villains, um, at least one of them is interesting. Um, Durant, I think, is the best villain, although Streck, I think, is forgettable, even at the third act. But 
as far as the action sequences go, I'd say that the helicopter uh, scene is definitely the standout action piece, uh, set piece of the film. Uh, Sam Raimi's direction is one of the few things that makes the film great. And I think that because of this, the, uh, it made him the perfect choice back then in, in the 2000s to direct uh, his Spider-Man films. And even though I love Spider-Man over Darkman, I still like to think of Darkman as like one of those rare superhero films that you should definitely check out and you'll grow to appreciate over time. Cool, yeah, I had never heard of this. Uh, this was the one that you kind of, when you we came to me about this idea that this was the, the one that you first suggested. Um, so it's, it's definitely interesting. I mean, I like Sam Raimi, so uh, it's, it's kind of interesting that he did this film, uh, you know, because he's so well known for these other super movies. Uh, but yeah, it's a good one for uh, Obscure because I, I never heard of it. Yeah. yeah, I had heard of this one, but I've never seen it. The only thing that I know about it, I've seen this clip before. It's where Liam Neeson's holding this dude over a ledge. And, and the dude's like, you can't drop me. You you won't be able to live with that. And then Neeson drops him and he screams on the way down. And Neeson's like, I'm beginning to learn to live with a lot of things. <laughs> that, that's the only thing I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Ryan, what's your number two? So, my number two. My number two is Chronicle. This is from 2012. This was directed by Josh Trank and written by Max Landis. And let's just get that out of the way. That's a very troublesome pair to say the least. But the, but the movie that they created is actually quite good. It tells, it is a found footage movie that is an immediate turnoff for some people, but trust me, the movie's actually better than people remember. I have a full, I have a full review on my channel if you all feel so inclined. But basically, long story short, it's a movie about these three high schoolers who, when they're at a party together, they discover this magical rock or meteorite or something. They get zapped by it, and the next thing you know, they have superpowers. They have the ability to levitate things, to push things away, to stop things from hitting them. And then they eventually get the power of flight. And they try to initiate like rules on on each other to say like, okay, we can't hurt anyone, we have to use these for good, something like that. But the main character, played by Dane DeHaan, who has an alcoholic father and is frequently bullied at school, at a certain point, he just snaps and basically becomes a supervillain. So this is definitely, I would say, more of a supervillain than a superhero movie, but I'm deciding to count it because they do start off as heroes, but then the heel turn happens later. I can understand why people dislike found footage movies. I can't argue with their logic, but this is definitely one of the better ones. It uses the gimmick in about as good a way as possible. I mean, you have to suspend your disbelief a bit, especially around the ending where it's like, oh, come on, how many cameras would be working? Like, surely they'd be able to like zap some of them or something. But outside of that, it, I think it's all handled pretty well. Dane DeHaan is really good, and he would go on to be better in other things. Michael B. Jordan is in here. We all know what he would do. Black Panther, the Creed movies, the I Could Go On. The dude is completely killing it right now. Honestly, the actor who I've seen the least is 
the cousin of Dane DeHaan in the movie. I can't think of his name right now, but he's, he's, I don't think he's done all of that much since Chronicle. And it's a shame because he is actually quite good. And I, and if I, if he has done something and I might've missed it, then by all means, correct me in the comments. But I think that he, I think that he was really, did a really good job here. And in terms of the budget that was provided and what ended up and the end results, it, I think it was all handled very well. I give this a heavy recommendation. Yeah, I think this is a pretty good movie. I, I think any genre or movie making style can be done well. And I think this is done well. And <clears throat> I, with the found footage. Um, and I think that it does portray pretty accurately, I think, what it would be like for teenagers to get superpowers you know the the kind of they're sort of goofy and at least at first and uh kind of showing off and everything and i think that there definitely would at least be some of that yeah because they actually start off doing kind of stupid things like yeah 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 moving moving cars across the parking lot and (laughs) building lego sears towers because they're in seattle and screwing with people in convenience stores you know that kind of stuff Uh, Dane DeHaan's character actually bends a fork with his mind, which is actually pretty cool. Then, th- yeah. then something happens, and you're like, "Okay, the fun is officially over." And then, so at a certain point, like Dane DeHaan just goes slowly more and more and more towards the dark side, and that's all I will say because yeah. my review here honestly doesn't do it justice. <laughs> well, my second choice is uh from disney it's a movie called sky high and uh it's i think there's maybe you could classify as a bit of a cult following for this movie uh it's it's got its fans but um but i think it's it's a really fun little movie with kurt russell and kelly preston as these superhero parents whose kid can't figure out what his superpower is uh and he's going to sky high and uh it's and daniel pennebaker's in it she's fun um hi uh bruce campbell and linda carter yeah that's right yeah oh yeah uh bruce campbell steals the show i mean i'm I'm pretty sure i don't have to tell you because bruce campbell is awesome am i (laughs) clear (laughs) (laughs) he's the coach uh the gym teacher uh, but yeah. yeah, he's great. Linda Carter is in here, which is fun because she's Wonder Woman. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely I would say an underrated Disney film. Yeah, and I also love some of the names in this movie. Like, there's literally a character in this movie named Warren Peace. <laughs> I'm, right. not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, I love that. And then there's this there's this arc which who turns out to be the villain, the character. And the main character, the son of Kelly Preston and Kurt Russell, they go on a date and the father like meets him at the door and she goes in and the father just casually is like, you're not the guy with the eight arms, are you? <laughs> and, and the guy's like, no, 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 that's, that's not me. <laughs> I, just, I love how casual they are with that in this movie. And also shout out to the music video for I Melt With You by Bowling for Soup. I still listen to that to this day. It's, it's, 
to use to use what the kids say today the song slaps it really does yeah very good uh all right uh so let's see so brevin are you next yeah yeah so um so my third and final pick is and since i talked about the original hellboy i figured i'd talk about the sequel which i think is a lot better and del toro himself would say uh, is his favorite uh, uh in terms of this series uh i recall like uh, seeing this in 2008 and i was like yep this is definitely better than the first one and ron perlman is still likable as always as the character hellboy uh what they do uh, in this film, I think, um, I think it, it's better paced than the first film. Um, I like how they improve on the action and the villain, uh, Prince Nuada, who's uh, uh, played by Luke Goss. And you understand his motivations. You understand why he is upset with humanity and why he wants to wipe them out and to make the world a better place for his people and how he thinks that Hellboy is fighting for the wrong cause. And there are like times where, I mean, you understand his motivations, but you don't like agree with what he is doing. I mean, killing innocent people. But um, uh, what other, uh, the other things that they uh, do with the story, I love the subplot of like uh, Liz, uh, Hellboy's love interest uh, being, uh, pregnant and uh, her hiding this from him for most of the film until uh, she uh, makes the choice to have the angel of death save him and she, she decides to reveal that he's going to be a father. Uh, there are stakes in this film and you do care about the characters and I remember being shocked when uh, Prince Nawada stabbed Hellboy with his enchanted spear and you're like I mean we're all used to seeing Hellboy like kicking ass and everything and but there's like one of the few times where you felt like he could actually die and I like that's I like a certain uh, comic book film that has stakes and that's like one of the few uh, films that I recall in terms of comic book movies back then that did have stakes um, of course, the, I, I love the, the costume designs and the makeup work done for certain characters, mostly uh, for uh, Hellboy and Abe. I mean, th this was, uh, I mean, the makeup work was nominated for an Oscar, and it's a shame that it didn't win, because, I mean, you, I mean, like I said, um, uh, what they'd done with the previous film, I mean, you got to give the artists, like, a round of applause. And one thing that always always frustrated me was how they how they uh how the film ended with um les being uh, les revealing that she's pregnant with twins and i'm like and they let left it open for a third film which of course never happened and it really makes me feel sad that uh del toro never had a chance to finish what he originally wanted to conceive as a trilogy and Ron Perlman has been trying to like get Del Toro to like make a third movie and he's uh, refused to like play Hellboy again unless uh, Del Toro was involved. And 
because of that, I'm really sad that, that we never got a third film in this series because it did have potential to be a, a trilogy. And we got the reboot, which I just want to acknowledge never existed. It had potential to be good. David Harbour was good in the reboot, but it's the, it was nowhere near as good as the, the films that we got by Guillermo, from Guillermo del Toro, which I will always have a special place in my heart. That's yeah, I've never seen this. Generous. I've only seen the first one, so I uh, I can't comment. But you definitely sold it well. So, uh, Ryan, what do you think? Well, first of all, you're being incredibly generous, Brevin, in regards to the David Harbor movie. Bless his soul, he was trying, but that movie is terrible. Like I I just it just makes me so mad. But I will table my thoughts on that for another time. Hellboy Two is awesome. Like there is just so much stuff to love. And you brought up, Brevin, you brought up Prince Nuada. He is fantastic. There is a, like, like outside of the action stuff, there's some lines that he gives where you're just like, dang, I like, you're the bad guy, but I mean, you're kind of fighting for your people. So, I mean, I kind of give you a bit of respect there, but up to a certain extent, like when he's with, his father and the, the rest of his people, I can't remember their names off the top of my head, what they call themselves, but there's this, well, there's this line where, where the prince is, is, is ranting and raving about how empty the humans feel. And he's like, holes in their hearts that will never be filled. They will never have enough. And you're just like, yeah, there's a kernel of truth there. And so you just, you feel it, but like the dynamic between him and his sister, the sister feeling sorry for the humans and wanting to help them, and how and how she wants to just let the golden army sleep, and if we fade, we fade. And I love how his delivery where he says, "We will not fade," and it's just so so good. And like Brevin, you were mentioning, the makeup is awesome. The troll market scene, that's fantastic, and the the work yeah. on on Johan. Yeah, it's a del toro film for sure and in regards to the princess i thought that her and abe's love story was handled pretty well and it was pretty sad uh, how it ends at the end with her dying yeah yeah that was that was very very sad and um there's actually quite a few humorous moments here like when like when hellboy faces off against nuada's heavy i can't remember his name with the the dude with the with the hand that ratchets out and returns and yeah mr fink yeah mr mr fink thank you and um yeah. and and af- and it's like they've been fighting and then and then hellboy crushes the metal hand with his with his with his right hand and, and yeah. hellboy just takes a break with his cigar and he's like you lost buddy take the hint and and Fink readies the next punch, not knowing that there's like a crusher behind him. And you can pretty much see where it's going. And Hellboy's like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And then Fink does it anyway. Hellboy sidesteps and the, and the fist enters. It's so darkly humorous, but it is humorous. And you just see Hellboy just look and he just does that with the chain. He's like, Dung! and he's just like, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. And speaking it's of so the humor... Funny. Uh, the the scene uh, the the locker room scene made me laugh my ass off. I, that was I, I so that good. Every time. I never get tired of that. I never get tired of that. He, he I get, never get tired. Of it. Hellboy gets his butt kicked by smoke. 
by actual smoke. And then that parlays into the whole Abe and Hellboy getting drunk scene and sitting along to, I want to say, Barry Manilow? I, I can't remember, but the song is, you know I can't smile without you. It's that song. <laughs> and, yeah. they, and, and they get drunk and Abe is, it just gets, he gets drunk too. And he's like, this is the last one. It's like, it straddles the line between humorous and incredibly dark. And Del Toro did it. Yeah. So, uh, so my last pick is a movie. We just talked about it for underrated animation on my channel, me and Stanford. Um, it is Megamind. Megamind came out the same year as Despicable Me. Despicable Me is the one that took off. And I think that's a shame because I think Megamind is super funny. I think the script is really good. I think the animation is really good. I just think it's better than Despicable Me in pretty much every way. And it, it actually has some of that satire for superhero movies. And uh, even though it was 2010, so they just kind of, this new wave had just started. Uh, but I, I just really think it's very very funny and i like megamind as a character and i i just think it's better than uh despicable me so that's why i think it's underrated. Uh, funny how you say that um I, I recall actually seeing this in theaters and yeah i do like uh, megamind a, a lot as well and it's very funny um as far as it being better than despicable me uh that's kind of tough for me to decide because they're both very good. But if anyone, just, I, would, I would, I would say I like them equally. That's 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 yeah. what I can say. Yeah. I've just never been the biggest fan of the minions. I've always found them kind of annoying. Like there's a few of the movies that are that are fine, but um, I don't. Know, I just I just personally find Megamind to be so much funnier personally. Yeah, uh, funny that, uh, that you say that because I mean. Mega my uh, he like uh, the whole movie is like centered around like around this character. You love every moment that he's on screen, and mm -hmm. what his journey from like starting from like a supervillain into eventually becoming a hero by the end. I really love his journey throughout uh, throughout the film. Uh, how yeah. he believes that he killed his arch nemesis Metro Man, who is voiced by uh, Brad uh, Pitt. Uh, uh, Will Ferrell, I thought it, it was really, really good voice in uh, Megamind. Uh, so he has a plan to like create his own hero, uh, Titan, who's voiced by Jonah Hill. And of course, it completely backfires, and he ends up uh, becoming a villain. And um, Megamind has to like become a hero, defeat him, and save the day. Uh, what what they do with for that story, I think. It, it it was executed pretty well. Yeah, Ryan, what do you think about this? Uh, I think Mega Mind is very good. I'm looking forward to discussing it with Jacob when we get to it on our new show, discussing DreamWorks over on his channel. So I'm looking forward to rewatching it. And yeah. it's it's funny because our it's you get to see what happens when the villain gets to win at the end and there is a bit of a twist which i won't spoil in case anyone hasn't seen it but you get to see what happens when megamind like 
you see, get to see what happens when Lex Luthor defeats Superman, when Joker beats the Batman. It's a bit more humorous and it's done with original characters and not something we know in greater comic book lore, but it's interesting to see what kind of happens when the villain gets to win at the end and how there's a dynamic of their weird sort of yins and yangs of each other. There's a feeling of, I have a feeling we're going to do this forever kind of thing that if one leaves, it is like the other one just doesn't have a purpose anymore. I love how that's explored. I like that. I like the spirit of that. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. All right, Ryan, what's your, uh, what's your last pick? So my last choice, and I have an entire review of this on my channel if you want to check it out, but it's The Rocketeer. This is a movie that I have loved since the first time I saw it based on the comics and pulp novels by Dan Stevens. And it's, I, it, it's, it drives me nuts that this movie did not take off. And it's gotten more love nowadays, but it just, it makes me really sad that no one took this seriously when it came out because it was way ahead of its time. Uh, directed by Joe Johnston, or Joe Johnson, excuse me, who directed uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, so the dude knows his way around a period piece. Uh, stars Alan Arkin, uh, Timothy Dalton, Jennifer Connelly, Paul Sorvino. The cast is loaded. Really, the only person who didn't really go that far is the dude who plays the Rocketeer. It's really sad because he was charismatic, good looking, could more than hold his own. Like, all he did really after this was TV work. And it's, I mean, good on him for doing that. But at the same time, there was so much potential left on the table that, so maybe there's a reason that I just don't know about, but it makes me sad that he didn't do more afterwards. But I just love the spirit that this movie has. I just love the intrigue of the, of the Timothy Dalton character, Neville St. Clair. I love just the the rocket shenanigans around the Rocketeer. And I love the banter between between the Rocketeer and Peavy, how when Rocketeer puts on the helmet for the first time and he's like, how do I look? And Peavy's like, like a hood ornament. I just love that line so much. And I don't know, it just it's just one of those movies that I it I have a hard time explaining why I love it, but I just I just love it. It's clear cut good guys and bad guys. It's something that we don't really see much nowadays in this world where we've got like stuff like the boys and other things. I, I kind of yearn for when we had like clear whites and clear black, not in everything, but like noticeable in, in most instances, if that makes any sense at all. I, <clears throat> I really agree with you. This is such a wholesome, uh, entertaining film. It's really, really good. And yeah, I agree with you about the villain thing that, that Disney especially has been just moving away from having heroes and villains. And aside from maybe in Marvel, uh, is in their animated films and their other films, everything's got to be this complex backstory and you got to understand. And, and sometimes it's just, I just miss the day of like the juicy, entertaining, over-the-top Disney villain. Uh, and, uh, so that, that I think is a loss, but, uh, but I, I agree. Rocketeer is a really fun, old fashioned, uh, family film. I should do it for, should do it for family movie night one of these days. 
Yeah, and shout out to uh, Timothy Dalton for having one of the greatest villain deaths of all time. I, yeah. He straps on the rocket not knowing that gas is leaking everywhere and he's going to turn into the human torch, but it's gonna, not going to end well for him when he says, I will miss Hollywood. And then he hits the thing and he flies out and he's like, ha, 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 ha. And it's like, bang, 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 bang. And he's like, well, sucks to be you, Neville. <laughs> it's so... It's it's such poetic justice. Yeah, that's kind of hilarious. Yeah. All right, we did it. Uh, we did it. Thank you so much, Brevin, for having this idea to do this. It was a lot of fun. And uh, where can people find you and your content? If you want to know, uh, if you want to see more content, uh, you can uh, check out my channel, Brevin's Flicks and Games. And of course, as as always, uh, thank you so much for watching. And I want to thank Rachel and Ryan for inviting me on the show. And if you want my thoughts on older new films, you know where to find me. And Ryan, what about you? Uh, people can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. And there's, of course, my YouTube channel, which is just called Ryan Cam. Uh, I will be reviewing Thor Love and Thunder. I do plan on seeing that Friday night. And then coming this Sunday, against my better judgment, I will be reviewing Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, include, including in my series where I review all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Every ounce of my being wants to just stay away from those movies and just say, hey, I reviewed the trilogy, and the trilogy is what counts. But there are two more Pirates movies to cover, so I will be... I will be covering those. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I know yeah, it's a rough franchise in my opinion, but, um, yeah, but it's definitely a hit and mess franchise. for yeah. sure. <laughs> Especially the first one is, is really good with the rest. I struggle, but uh, you can find me at Rachel's reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. Check that out. Make sure you check out our playlist, all our hidden gems, hidden gems episodes, and uh, got lots of fun stuff going on on the channel and then and also um we are having the patron picks for family movie night so consider joining the patron and you can get your pick uh, and uh, so check that out also check out hallmarkies podcast a lot of fun stuff going on over there and uh thanks so much again Robin. we appreciate it and we'll talk to y'all later bye everyone bye, bye.